You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello again, everybody. My name is Steve Eden, and you are listening to the True University Podcast, where the truest thing about you is what God says about you. I am delighted with my guest today. He's a good friend of mine, a ministry comrade for many, many years, uh, partnering with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff down in Durant and all their different locations. Uh, met Brother Lee around 2005, 2006 time frame, and we've been fast friends and uh, doing ministry stuff together ever since then. So I want to welcome uh, to the show, the podcast, Lee Armstrong. Lee, how are you? I am well. Thank you for the invitation. I'm honored. Well, thank you for coming all the way up from Durant, right? Yes. And how was the trip? Wet and cold. <laughs> it is a little cold and wet outside. Uh, as ice we, on everything. As we record this. Yeah, quite the ice storm uh, here in 2020, which we'll, we'll get into some of that uh, in a little bit. Before I talk about some adversity, because I think, I think that might be where the Lord leads us today, I want to ask you, where's the Lord had you as far as, uh, you know, in the Word and stuff you're sharing, stuff you're seeing? Uh, bring everybody up to speed. Very good. The latest thing that I've really been enjoying is the fact that this COVID since nine one one, the elections, all those things, as the Lord's just shown me again, these are pressure tests. Hmm. I'm a I'm an ex welder, and yeah. there's a term called MOD, M A W D, maximum allowed working pressure. And I used to weld all the time, and we would pressure test those a time and a half above their regular operating allowed pressure to look for flaws in the material, look for integrity issues, look for leaks, um, weak spots. And that's all these things are doing. They're actually showing us uh, weak spots, yeah. lack of integrity, things, character flaws that need to be addressed. Yeah. And so the Lord's just showing me again, if this had been an actual emergency, Jesus would have come back. <laughs> it's all going to be okay, right? Well so, said. So well said. He, he's just showing me again, these things are allowing us to see uh, flaws mm-hmm. in our character, issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. And and so, you know, one of the words of the Lord for the body of Christ right now is discipleship. Yeah, Because we're, we're realizing we have people who are in so much fear, and we've taught so many messages on faith and right. not being afraid and being courageous. And then right. in one fell swoop it it all, all went out the window with COVID 2020. <laughs> so it just shows we need discipleship. We yeah. need to get people committed to the things of the kingdom mm-hmm. that they don't bail ship at the first sound of, of issues. Right. I'm a little concerned, um, that's putting it mildly, yeah. at the body of Christ's lack of courage yeah. and the inability to face any kind of difficulties. We just like... We're in it for the planes and the trains, and man, when, you know, I, I I'm was, in it for the blessing. I'm in it right? for the blessing. That's exactly that's right. what I signed up for. But didn't we do? Didn't we condition some of that in the body of Christ with a, you know, our altar calls so many times in the landscape of Christianity, at least in the West, in America, has been, hey, come to Jesus and He'll make everything great. Absolutely. I mean, He'll work for you. He'll make your life better. You'll yeah. get a brand new car. You get a new wife, and you get all this kind of stuff. We promise them all that, and yet if you read the Gospels, it's pretty clear if you're going to be his disciple, there's a death involved, and it's yours. Yes, there's a <laughs> cost going, involved. That's, that's right. That's exactly he even right. says, count the cost. And then he says, if you don't love me more than your mom, dad, your own spouse, your kids, <laughs> even your own life, you that's can't a hard be my pill disciple. swallow. 
<laughs> yeah, but I think I think that lends to what you're saying about discipleship. Not only have we not discipled well, I don't think we've even talked about it yeah. in the sense of the commitment that's involved. He really Correct. he really is inviting us to lose our life to pursue him. And it's interesting because when he tells parables like the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field, what he's getting at is Jesus had this radical idea that his father and his father's kingdom were worth losing your life for. They were worth giving everything for. Sell all you have, man. This is... (laughs) He this God is God is real and and He's the real thing and He's worth pursuing and yet you look in the West it's very shallow commitment it's like uh, we're just, we're still trying to figure out that God loves us That's I mean exactly think about right. it we're we're yeah. really still trying to figure out does He really love me because you know things in the world don't don't really go my way I liked what you said too about um, when pressure is applied it can reveal weak areas and those kind of things. I was part of a men's group this last Monday night and we were at the dinner table. It just happened spontaneously. Guys began to open up, myself included, about areas of disappointment where the flesh is broken through. I don't want to see that. I want to walk by the spirit and not give place to this or that Mm. vice or whatever. And the Lord interrupted our lamentations. (laughs) And he said, basically, what's wrong with you all? Am I not giving you the desire of your heart? Did you not ask me to transform you? Did you not ask me to make you look like me? So I'm showing you these areas where there's weakness and I'm not Lord of your life and you're lamenting it like it's coming from the devil. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm showing this to you so that I can build and complete the work that I've began in you. Very good. We want transformation. And that's the other thing the Lord has been showing me is that there are three levels of change. And the first level is information. We need to know God's love. We need to know the word of God. And in Genesis to Revelation, that that we would know God. We need the scriptures. We need information. Mm -hmm. Without information, there's no ability to change. You need to know something different than you've known in the past. But information is not enough. And we're Mm -hmm. in the information age. We have more information at our fingertips than any generation before us. And we're dumber than a box of rocks. Mm -hmm. And then it leads to inspiration. And I I laugh at this generation because they keep wanting me to watch these podcasts. They want me to watch these video Mm -hmm. clips. And this is so inspiring. And I'm like, great. But what did that do for you? Right. Did it cause you to go out and love your neighbor more? Yeah. Did it cause you to be more committed to Christ? So we have the inspiration, but but inspiration is nothing more than a New Year's resolution if yeah. it doesn't lead to transformation. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says God's desire is that we would be transformed. And the key to transformation is discipline. Yeah. That's why we're not seeing more transformation because it takes doing the hard things when you don't want to. Yeah. It takes doing them when mm. nobody's looking. It yeah. takes doing them when you'd rather be fishing and golfing or whatever it is that you want to do. Um and and if it w- if it was fun, we'd call it recreation. Not <laughs> Oh wow, not transformation. Not transformation. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is so good. And I think you put your finger on something that you and I have even talked about before today and that is there's a real lack in the area of discipline obedience and lordship yep and where where in the body of christ uh, on the whole and where we kind of surmise we have given good information there's been a lot of good teaching i mean pastor Dwayne, i've been listening to him since 04 and um 
you know, allowing him to pour in, to feed my spirit, man, renew my mind, those kind of things. We have inspiring messages. Yes. And and I, that's what the Lord began speaking to us at Grace Church a few years ago is it's not enough to amen the truth. That's what he said. You you are amening the truth. Yeah. Walking out the door and forgetting all about it because we didn't have the discipline and the wherewithal. You know, our side of that commitment, I know his divine influence is upon the human heart that's born again. That yes. you know, I got a new heart, I got a new spirit. That's right. But he doesn't choose for us. He will influence, you know, from within. But what we found is just a real struggle in the way of being disciplined and having that commitment, kind of like what we were talking about Jesus and how he talked about discipleship, that it will cost you something. And he even said, why don't you count the cost on the front end? And we've not not done a good job of that. No, we have not. And a part of that, uh, again, I'm old. (laughs) <laughs> so listening to to the young generation um talking about user friendly and we want the church to we've worked really really hard to look like oh, the world yeah. and act like the world and then we wonder why they don't want what we have yeah but what we have is counterculture mm-hmm. and when we live that out loud that's what actually draws people it's not right. uh, why we want to blend in is beyond me god made us to stand out right yeah <laughs> to be different how many times have we borrowed from the culture of America to try yeah. to be relevant and reach people. Yeah. The word of God is always relevant. The word of God is always <laughs> relevant. Jesus is the answer. I mean, they're all made by him and for him. So if you want to be relevant as a church leader or as a, a local church body, you need to preach Jesus. That's exactly he right. is relevance to human beings because he made them Yeah, and he made them for himself and his word. Absolutely. And the truth is we're all disciples of something. Hmm. And unfortunately, we're disciples of things like The Walking Dead and The <laughs> Simpsons. And yeah. instead, uh-huh. right, instead, we're students and learners. We're students and learners of all the wrong stuff. Secular <laughs> media, all those kind of things, glued to the television. Even sports, you know, I preach to myself. Even sports can we we can become absolutely. students and learners of that. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. It, you know, we we brag about binge watching stuff. Right. I, I just wonder, do you do you binge read the word? Yeah, I spent right. <laughs> I spent seven straight days binging on, on the, the word. Yeah. That's exactly right. You don't ever hear that. <laughs> no, you don't hear that near as much. Uh, so what's what's the plan then? I don't want to just pull the band aid off because I th- I think we both agree that we need an emphasis on what a disciple really is. Yeah. Uh, church members, not in the Bible. So making a bunch of church members isn't really going to help us, but, but disciples, how do we, and maybe it is the three, you know, the three things you gave us about information, inspiration and transformation and making choices to obey. But how do you see that unfolding here in 2020 in the body of Christ? How do we write the ship in the way of committed followers dedicated to Christ more than the world? Yeah. I, I think, again, you're going to hear more and more people that, that you listen to to be encouraged by, that you pay attention to in the body of Christ at large, the T.D. Jakes of our lives and the people that are on the front edge. You're going to hear them talk about discipleship. But I, there, I know the Bible says to to go into all the nations and make disciples, mm-hmm. but you can't make a disciple anymore than you can make a Christian. What mm-hmm. you do is you create an environment in which discipleship is the byproduct. Yeah. Just because discipleship is about growth. And I can't make anybody grow. 
you can send somebody to school. They they don't have to learn. Yeah. You, all you've done <coughs> is created an environment in which growth is possible. Yeah. And discipleship is that way. If we'll live it before them, and it, it goes back to wow, that's so we're, good. We're gonna have to spend time with people. <laughs> yeah. And, and yep. spending time with people commitment. is me- commitment. It's intentional messy. investment. Int- intentional investment. Relationships are messy. I heard a guy say one time. Relationships are hard, like nailing jello to the wall. <laughs> it can be done, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And so, man, discipleship doesn't come from a program necessarily. Discipleship comes from relationship, yeah. intentionally pouring in to an individual that which you know, that which you have learned, and getting them to know it and learn it and teaching them to teach others. Yeah. You know, Paul said, Teach these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. That's, that's discipleship. That's so good. And we have to start. You, I thought you were going to say earlier, too, about it's hard to make one if we're not one. If we're not so, one. So be one. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> start with me. Yeah. And then out of that make one, I love the analogy if you can't make a student learn. He can go to K through 12, yeah. but... But he could actually come out of school and empty amid a kingdom of plenty. Absolutely. The education was free. It was all offered to him. The yeah. teachers were all there. The paper was there. The time uh, for school to be in session was yep. all there, provided for him. Yet he could be a dropout. He could uh, be an empty educationally yes. amid all that information that's available. I think the kingdom of God is the same way. Sure. And I don't want to be an empty amid a kingdom of plenty yeah. where all he asked us to do was receive it. It's not like we got to earn it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? Deserve yeah. it. Yeah. I got to be perfect or I can't have it. No, you got to be receptive. Yeah. You got to be a vine and you got to have this intentional commitment, this intentional investment to be a follower, a student, a learner of Jesus Christ. And you went on to talk about how um, you can't make that happen. You can kind of set out the atmosphere you can create relationship and foster relationship. That's what we want at Grace Church is this culture of yeah. discipleship, culture of disciple making, whereby there's there's just an MO about us of intentional investment. Because to me, discipleship in its purest form is just helping anyone move forward and mature, yes. grow in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. You know, it's it's about just taking steps. Yeah. One of the things that we've lost is the ability to witness, because we yeah. don't we don't hardly do it anymore. We're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Well, yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, have you read your Bible? <laughs> Jesus offended people everywhere he went, walking in love. I mean, it's just yeah. that's the kingdom of God. It's going to offend, but it's also the only hope people have of coming to Christ. And it's you know we want to hand a track. And maybe leave it in the restroom or something around the right, table yeah. and hope that they get so changed. nobody sees me. So nobody sees me. <laughs> Instead of just asking the server, is there anything I can pray about? Yeah. I've had more opportunities to pray, to lead people to Christ, to even see healings just by asking, Are you okay? Well, I'm yeah. having well, can I pray for you? I've only had one person turn me down. No, I don't want you to pray for me. I pray for them later. Yeah. <laughs> they can't stop. They can't stop that. <laughs> but you know, again, just the willingness. Yeah. To to step out. God will open up doors. One of the things I've been praying about the last 10 years that's really revolutionized the, the ability for the Lord to use me 
is to give me eyes to see the opportunities yep. because they are with you every day. And we drive to church missing opportunities all the way there. When there's opportunities at Walmart, there's opportunities in the yard, there's opportunities on the baseball field, there's op- there's just opportunities. You just have eyes to see them. And you're not going to win everybody to the Lord just because the opportunity is there, but you need to step into it where those people would never have the ability to say to God, I didn't know. Yeah. And it really is as simple as being available to the Lord. You're not, he's not interested in your ability. I think we think, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I got to be so good at this. No, you don't. You got to be available and have your your spiritual eyes yeah. and, and your heart open. It's as simple as, you know, like you were saying with the waitress, how are you doing today? Yeah. And maybe at the conclusion of the lunch or whatever, is there anything I can just be praying with you? About? Yeah, absolutely. I Like you said, I don't know. Um, I can't think of any instance where somebody said no. It's, yeah. it, people want help. They want to know you care. That's right. all. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing about Jesus. <clears throat> There's a scripture that says about Jesus that he was full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And the next thing it says, and he went about doing good. Yeah. That's amazing to me. You want to make a difference? <laughs> Just be kind. Just be a good person. Do, yeah. do good. And you, you'll be amazed at the doors that that opens up for us. That's such a great theological discussion to have. So he's full of the Holy Ghost. And what did he do? You know, he ran all the town. He preached down at everybody, yelled at them, told them they're going to hell. No. <laughs> Uh, he was full of Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good. Just doing good. <laughs> so I've always said that Jesus' evangelistic style was to live out his sonship each day, yeah. connected to the Father, and go through town looking to do people good. That's that exactly was my right. definition of his That's evangelistic so good. style. And yeah. you're right. Mm-hmm. And it draws people. They're not They're not used to that. They're not ready for that. Right, right. They're, we typically come with a heart to preach instead of coming with a heart to care. Yeah. I mean, how, how can I really help you? The, exactly the kingdom right. is not a kingdom of a demand. It's the kingdom of an offer. Look at what Jesus brought. Yeah. He, it wasn't, he wasn't born amidst thunder and lightning claps and uh, earthquakes where God, you know, this voice from heaven thundered and said, choose my son or die. No, that was not. He, he comes in a manger. Yeah. He comes humbly. He comes subtly. And he's still coming that way today. And that's why I think, uh, and yeah, there is a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's coming. But right now, we're in the dispensation of an offer, of an invitation to come as you are, receive him. I think that's why he taught so much and so well about ask, seek, and knock. Yeah. You know, ask and you will find. He doesn't lie. If you, or sorry. Uh, seek and you will find ask and you will receive yeah you know in in matthew 11 where he says he says come unto me all you that labor and are heavy it's an invitation to intimacy it's an invitation to family Mm -hmm. and that's so good you know we the only time jesus ever talked about sinners is in contrast to something he never called people sinners yeah they're out they're outside the family of god yeah we need to invite them into the family. That's it's an so invitation good. to intimacy. Brother Lee, and for those those of you that are listening right now, you've got to catch what he just said. Jesus never said, come unto my teaching, come unto my philosophy, come unto my religion, God forbid. Right. He said, come unto me. Yeah. This is a personal, uh, intimate invitation to do life with him. And it's interesting, that same passage in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 
you know, there's this rhythm of grace. <laughs> and number one is come to me. Yeah. It's number, unforced. Yeah. That's unforced <laughs> rhythms of grace. So when you're stressed and strained, what should you do? Well, come, come to him first. Yeah. Then uh, take his yoke. A, a yoke is literally something that uh, where two become one. That's, That's what right. the purpose of the yoke is. Yeah. And we're not made to do life without him. So mm-hmm. I love that he's like, all you who are stressed and heavy burden, come to me. That's number one. Take my yoke, number two, and then learn from me. Yeah. I was reminded of Hebrews 12, 3. You know, it talks about all that he he suffered all that they had done to him, and yet, you know, but for the joy set for bo- before him, he endured the cross. We can learn from him. Absolutely. Uh, when we, <laughs> when when you look at what he went through, it's kind of like, you know, I was mentioning earlier about the ice storm we're currently in. I'm thinking, uh, what was your problem again, Steve? You know, because <laughs> because you know this, I've planted a bunch of pine trees the last few years. I love pine trees. I don't. Need, I can't even explain why I've taken such an interest. <laughs> Because just there's no explanation for it other than I know the Lord is is teaching me something through it. But, you know, when the ice comes and it just continues, we're in our third day of just this misty rain overcast, 32 degrees, and it settles on those tree branches and you just hear them breaking out there where I live all the time. And it breaks my heart. But where I find peace is, and I had to go back to Matthew 11. It's funny you mentioned that. I've gone back to it two or three times because I'm writing this book called The Absolute Worthlessness of Worry. <laughs> and I, I have it. to go read my, I'm not even done with it yet. And the Lord's like, you need to go back and read that chapter on uh, the rhythm of grace because it's only when I relinquish control, Lee, it's only when I say he's God and I'm not. Right. And the worst thing that can come of this is he works it for my good. That's yeah. the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And I have to go back and renew my mind. But talk about that a little bit because we do struggle in the body of Christ. And I would say as human beings with adversity yeah. and grief. And what do we do with that stuff? Man, that's such a huge, huge problem in the body of Christ and just with people at large, we have to manage the tension, Steve, between an all-powerful God full of promises and mm. the problems and pain that we face in this real world. And we don't do good at that. Yeah, We take one side or the other. Either God is giving us all this pain and taking away our loved ones, or there yeah. is no pain if you follow Jesus the right way. And yeah. neither of those are correct. Wow. When, so navigate the tension between those two. That's very good. We do have to manage it. It's yeah. just there's there's no way around it. Hmm. Here's the thing. Let me just let me just take the scriptures. Scripture says, and we love the scripture. All the promises of God are yes and yes amen. And amen. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, one of those promises is it's appointed unto every man wants to die. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Everybody so, said. <laughs> so you're not going to get a round of applause over that, but it's the truth, and. I'm looking at a, a people I, because I, I do teach a lot of um, Bible students and a lot of yeah. uh, ministers who are coming up. Um, there is these promises, but if you take it too far, you end up acting like God is your butler right. instead of your buckler. Yeah. And now I'm going to hold God accountable to his word like you could hold God accountable to anything. Right. That sounds like a bad idea. It's a bad idea all the way around. <laughs> God, and, give me what I deserve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. But, but they're standing on this promise of 120 years. And and I, you know, I know the scripture where they get that. The Lord's going to give them 120 years. But I just have one simple question. Do you know anybody that's made it? Right. That's fair. Right? Yeah. Okay. So 
I don't. I don't know anybody that does. So let's just take 120 years and go, okay, so somewhere between now and 120 years, um, my expiration date's going to come up. And the whole thing about the Bible is about being prepared. It's not about a life of ease. Yeah. It's about being prepared for marriage, being prepared for raising children, Amen. being prepared for adversity, being prepared for loss. And don't you think if we look at Scripture soberly, and I would even say by the Spirit, if we sit with the Scriptures and look through them, we know there's trial and tribulation. We know there's struggle. Even it's another though, promise. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thank you. Even though there's all these promises that are on the positive side, uh, if you look at Scripture, uh, you know, as it's written and through the lens of the Spirit of the Lord with all humility and sobriety, there's no doubt there's suffering yes. and trial. And we need to be able to help people navigate that that tension between God's promises and the problems were promised in life. That's exactly right. You shall have tribulation. Yeah, John it's, 16, 33. It's a promise. We don't like that promise. But if you will look at it, like you say, soberly, with any sense of real, I want to know what God has to say about it, you will find that suffering is a part of the Christian realm. It's a part of being human. We live in a fallen world. <clears throat> And before you get mad at Adam, if it hadn't been Adam and Eve, it'd have been you and I. <laughs> Some, somebody somebody was going to make that mistake. You know what's interesting, Steve? I love Job because Job was one of the most misquoted, yeah. misunderstood books, full of wisdom and the ability. Here's a guy that's walking with God, loves the Lord, and that's why the bad things happened. It wasn't for any other reason than the fact that God brought up his name. Yeah. And there have been times in my wife and I's life that we just said, Lord, could could you kind of not bring up our, our name this year? Yeah. We're kind of tired of Can being we have a this poster child <laughs> for some of these things. But in the midst of all the loss, there are a couple things that happen. He's lost his children. He's lost his homes. He's lost his income. His wife has turned on him and said, just curse God and die. His best friends are saying, there's got to be something in your heart. You're full of sin somewhere. All these quote, quote, friends. And in the wake of all that, God says to him in Job 40, stand up like a man. That's interesting to me. Yeah. And when he needs encouragement, God says, you're the man. Stand up. Stand up. Mm -hmm. Be a mighty warrior. And then... He's asking God all these questions, and you know how God answers his question? God doesn't say anything. What God offers him is not an answer. What God offers him is himself. Wow. Amen. Which is what he needs. Which is what we need yeah. when we're in struggles. Now, let me, let's just jump into even loss, because as painful as that is, we're all going to suffer the loss of a mom, a dad, someone right. connected to us. And you and Ginger have personally suffered in that in that way a couple of times yes, more we than have. just once yes we have and that's a part of the reason i want to speak into it because yeah. i know god is still good in the midst of that and i want people to hear that yes it's painful i wouldn't have written that in my book but the good thing about god is is he is there and people will say to me all the time, I just couldn't do that. I, I don't know how you how you lose a child. I just couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's grace in time of need. And until you have that need, you don't need that grace. That is so, so true. So you're exactly right. You couldn't do it because yeah. you don't have need for that. Yeah. But when the need comes, God is there. 
And when we lose a loved one, one of the first things we do is we ask why. But it is the wrong question. Because even if you knew why, it wouldn't help you. When when the child jumped out of the swing and broke his arm, he said, Mommy, why does my arm hurt? She said, because you broke your arm. Did you know the answer? Didn't help him one bit. Right. He was in pain. He didn't need the answer. What he needed was his arm healed. Yeah. He needed someone to love him enough to mend it and time for it to be healed. To heal. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. I've I've got a couple of things here rolling around in my spirit. The question when you go through suffering uh, is not why, it's who. That's exactly who right. is going to get me through. Yeah. This struggle. That's exactly And right. that's why I like what you said about Job is ultimately God said, I'm your answer. Yeah. You know? And it, the problem with, I think, most Christians is that they know that, but yeah. in the midst of the loss, they can't feel the presence of the Lord. So they think right. God has abandoned them, but God's the one getting them through. God's the one who's yeah. actually giving them the breath to breathe. Yeah. We're looking for a feeling and all the feelings that loss are loss. They're pain. Yeah. Sadness. Yeah. Sorrow. But that's when God God is near the brokenhearted. God is near the mm-hmm. downcast. So even though you may not sense his presence, that doesn't mean he's not there. Yeah. And I love what you said about grace because I and you know this being uh in ministry doing counseling, whether it's marriage counseling, grief counseling, uh family counseling. I've seen people get through things they never thought they'd ever get through. And the only explanation I had was the grace of God that was there in that time of need. And if you're not in that time of need, you don't need it and you really can't understand it. But upon entering something like the loss of a child, it's like you from the outside, you think, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they can do it. I don't know they'll survive this, but God is faithful. Yeah. I love what Pastor Dwayne teaches. God is not guilty. God is faithful. Amen. Uh, it's the enemy, you know, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy and those things. And I think we just have to turn to God when we don't understand certain things and be able to trust him yeah. and say, I know you're going to get me through this. I don't understand it. There are definitely things on this planet I do not understand, uh, you know, and I always say, yeah, I'll just put it on my list of questions when I get there. But I, I'll probably be so so uh, overwhelmed with Jesus standing right in front of me, I won't care what any of my questions are. <laughs> probably. You're probably right. I, I, You know, again, because I have, and my wife and I have gone through so much loss, I've been forced to look through the scriptures to find some answers. Yeah. And again, most of those answers are just understood when you find and manage the tension. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. If you really want, if you really have an open heart, go read Hebrews 11, mm. which is the faith chapter. Yeah. It, it, my Bible says it's the heroes of the faith. By faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they wrought righteousness. By faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. By right. faith, women received their dead to life again. We, man, yeah, amen. Amen. But we stopped there. Right. We don't want to read the rest. He he goes on to say, still others wandered about in sheepskins. They were destitute. They were sawn in half. I know. Lived in caves and holes in in the ground. Lived in caves and holes in the ground. And it says, yet these all received a good report of faith, not having received the The promise. promise. Mm -hmm. Now, we got to do something with that. That's in your Bible. Yeah. And it helped me, though, to realize we 
we have minimized faith right to if i needed a glass of water and believed for it and i got it i had faith god says in hebrews 11 you can believe for water your whole life not get it and still be called a person of faith see pastor says um that's my pastor by the way pastor yeah. Dwayne. pastor says a good fight we fight the good fight of faith he said a good fight is one that you when win, you win. Mm-hmm. well we've reduced that to winning what we want yeah, right. But then right. he goes on to qualify in the scriptures what winning looks like. He says, I have run my race. I've finished mm-hmm. my course. I have kept the faith. Yeah. That's what winning by faith, winning the good fight is about, is keeping your faith in the midst of not getting what you think you should get or what's even been promised to you. Man, and see, that that so reminds me of Jesus telling Thomas, blessed are you because you've seen yeah. And believed. That's right. But how blessed are they who've not seen, not seen, and they still yeah. believe. Amen. And my goodness. And that's, see, that's what happened this morning. I'll just tell on myself. I go outside. I'm, I'm still lamenting. I'm wearing the emotions of, we haven't had power in 24 hours. That's kind of a thing. But it's really the trees, Lee. It's killing me <laughs> that all these tree branches are snapping off, you know, all around me. And this song by Kent Henry, I don't know, probably 1985, whatever, came on. I was just asking the Lord my truck, Lord, uh, Lord just speak to me. And the song was, <laughs> You Are My God. Amen. And he sings, You Are My God, yeah, 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 and I will ever praise you. And it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He's God and I'm not. And it's when I believe that he's good, when, I, when I partner with him to, okay, Lord, this has happened. I can't change that there's limbs everywhere and all that, but use me. You know, I'll clean them up. I'll help you know as best I can. The trees that I've planted, I will try to nurture them to health. But it's all in your hand. Yeah. But I'm not going to stand on the sideline and accuse God. I'm not going to stand on the sideline and blame him and feel sorry for myself. I've got to enter uh, into partnership with him, that yoke we talked about. Yeah. Right? Come to Jesus first. Before I try to solve a problem, come to Jesus first. And then secondly, uh, take his yoke. Amen. Uh, partner with him. Become one with him in the solution. There's yeah. nothing I can do about Weatherly. <laughs> as, <laughs> as much as much as I try, and I I can pray, and I have prayed yeah. that it hasn't changed. The rain hasn't stopped, and it's still 32 degrees. Yep. But what am I going to do? I'm only happy. I'm only fulfilled. I'm only in my right place and right state of mind when I'm partnering with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and where we go from here. Amen. Yeah. You talked about earlier just adversity and we got into loss and those kind of things. But one of the one of the things the Lord is showing me again about the pressure testing is um we've come to the place of finally realizing um we live in a difficult time. Well, you know, you keep hearing people say it's trying times. Well, Pastor, it's been trying times since the fall. <laughs> right. We just now come awake to that. That's so we're, true. We're a little late to the party. I mean, I just, but it's revealing to us how little control we actually have. That's a good thing. And part of the reason I, I'm, Very I'm, good. I'm chilled in life, I really am. Very I, good. Is because I've really come to the place of realizing how little control I actually Control is an have. illusion. It, it's it all is an illusion. illusion. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you think you have control, just see how little things can change what you had planned for the day. Right. Just simple things. Yeah. But when you realize Jesus is Lord yeah. over everything, 
you stop trying to to control stuff because it's a frustrating endeavor to yeah. say the least. Yeah. We're we're not created to be in that control seat. We're no. really not. And it's it ends up uh straight to bondage. That's exactly right. When yeah. when people come in uh, you know I'm doing life coaching now and counseling and all these different things mentoring. When people come in, I actually realize I can't help you. I need right. the same help I'm offering. Right. More pastors need to know yes. they need the same Jesus that they're offering. I'm not God. I don't make a good God. I, I seldom That's make a, a good point. Christian. Yeah. So I'm, Amen, I'm brother. Leave the, leave we don't God make a good God. We, we don't. don't make a very good Christian most of the time. Um, I was going to say there, look at the after effects of, uh, look at the after effects of control. Look at the emotional toll that when you've entered into control. Yeah. What what's coming soon? Anger. That's exactly uh, right. unmet expectation. Frustration. Frustration and strife. Yep. Woe is me. Not none of that yeah. is good. There's a <laughs> none of that. There's a beautiful concept shared in the book The Shack about the difference between expectancy and expectation. We should as Christians have an expectancy for God to move. Now, expectancy is alive and full of wonder. And if we just don't know what, what he's going to do, but he could do anything because it's an expectancy. Yeah. But as soon as we turn it into a noun where it's an expectation, uh, okay. now enters law and rules. Yeah. And now if we break those things that we don't get what we want, we're frustrated because we, we entered law into it. You and I have a relationship. When I know I'm going to get to see you or talk with you, I have an expectancy. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to laugh and we're going to pray. Once I turn that into an expectation, though, Steve is going to do this and Steve is going to say that. Then if you don't do those things now, there's there's frustration, there's rejection, there's hurt and there's pain. That's so good. So we need to let God do what he's going to do and just say yes and amen and go along for the ride. Yeah. At best... We're a conduit. Yeah. Yeah. A conduit for his grace and his influence. Absolutely. John 16, 33, Amplified Bible. We touched on it earlier. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. So first of all, uh, where's our peace and confidence come from? That's right. It's not coming from COVID or ice storms or what the world or the media is saying. It's coming from him. In me. Yeah. In me is your peace. And then he says, in the world, the natural world, you'll have tribulation, trial, distress, and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Thank you, Lord. For I have overcome the natural world for you. I've deprived it of its power to harm you, and I conquered it for you. That's so good. Isn't that powerful? Talk about that a little bit and how we can apply that. Those that are listening... How do we apply Jesus' statement here to you know life in the nasty natural sometimes? Well, again, it comes back to relationship. You're not going to get past that. It is just spending time with the Lord. Yeah. You know, when my children were little, they would hold my hand and they would have peace. Yeah. Wherever we went, they knew they were taken care of. They knew they're going to be provided for. They never had to worry about a bully. Right. Because they're with me. I'm taking care of them. Yeah. And when wow. we when we walk with the Lord, really walk with the Lord, who do we fear? What can you do to me if God is with me? Right? Yeah. It's that understanding that we have a father who's a better father than any father we could have in the natural, no matter how good they are. He is yeah. always there with us. 
And when you're walking with him truly in relationship, you have peace because he said, I give you peace. And I have to say, this is going to probably get me in trouble, but uh, one of the weaknesses that the pressure test has proven is how easily we're afraid. We're running from the air, Steve. Yeah. (laughs) We're running from the air. Why? Because we don't have a strong enough relationship with God that we can't hear him whisper behind us because he's whispering, I got you. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You know, if if we'd lived to be a thousand years old, this would be like our sixth pandemic. We'd have shirts. (laughs) Yeah. I survived it. (laughs) I have have a coffee mug Uh, already. That's exactly right. But because it's new to us and because we haven't haven't read our word, um, we're trying to get peace from, oh, they're going to find a cure. Listen, we've been waiting a thousand years for the cure for the common cold. I don't think I'd hold my breath. Right. Exactly. I might find some other coping. I might find (laughs) some other way. What I have found, again, is that God is ultimately in charge and in control, and yeah. I'm just going to let him be God. I want to right. do my best to, to be a, a peace in the chaos, yeah. to be love in the hate, to be steadfast in the crazy. See, that's so good. And for those that are listening, you know, I don't, I don't need to do this, but I want to do it. You've written a book on grief, uh, correct? Yes. And uh, having lost a daughter prematurely, lost a grandson um, you and Ginger have seen your fair share of struggles. So I'm just letting people know, uh, you know, who are listening today that you're not coming from this place <laughs> of, uh, just a theological posture that this sounds like this, this sounds good. You have lived through this, this, uh, this grief we're talking about and the questions yes, and why versus how and who Yeah, getting myself to the who question so what? tell me the name of the book that you wrote, and then just tell us a little bit about it, and we'll close in prayer. Okay. I wrote a book called Dealing with Death, God's Way. And quite honestly, Steve, that was so far out of my sphere of, that's the first book I wrote. You might as well have asked me to walk on the moon without a spacesuit. It was just like, no. But I, I got so tired of God getting blamed. Right? Oh, sure. Because so, yeah. the first sure. thing we do is God took them. Yeah. Well, for God to take something... Um, it denotes God is in need, right? We take things because we're in need, but mm-hmm. God is all sufficient. And yeah. I just got tired of God getting blamed. Yeah. Because I've saw, seen more people offended at church and offended at God because they prayed for a grandma to live and she died anyway. And now they've left the church. Yeah. Because somebody told them God took them. Yeah. So all this pain I'm feeling is because God's a thief. Gotcha. Yeah. So somebody had to change that. Yeah. And I just said, yes, I will. And the crazy thing is that book's 23 pages long. Wow. It's the smallest book, but it covers all of the questions because I got, when you're in pain, you don't want a novel. Yeah. You just want to get to some answers. Amen. And so there are some real reasons that we die, but I keep telling people, I'll tell you why. My last uh, Lee Speaks uh, Facebook live Monday, I talked about why. Mm-hmm. The actual reasons why we die, because we have truthful, factual reasons we die, but they don't help. It's still painful. You're yeah. still at loss. And so I wrote the book. It's small. It's got some a couple testimonies in the back of people who were blessed by the book, that kind of thing. So it's really a very short read. Yeah. But I wrote it because I got tired of God getting blamed. 
Yeah. I just got tired of How, it. Did, can they get that on Amazon? They or? can. Okay. Get it on Amazon. Um, they can probably just search Lee Armstrong. And, yeah. Do you have more than just that one book? I actually have six books That's now. what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I actually wrote a book for ministers about all about funerals. Because yeah. I got tired of going to funerals and them being done terribly. <laughs> I mean, if a guy's been in the ministry 50 years and he can't do any better than that, he probably needs another job. It's just, it's, it's terrible. Um, we'll have to get in that. We're going to do another segment here for too long. We'll have to get into uh, some of the things you've seen and me yeah. at funerals at different times. But for, for a, a different time, I think in regard to, you know, the grief aspect, I really... Like what you said with the young boy's analogy, he broke his arm. Even if he figures out why he broke it, well, you jumped out of the swing too soon. You shouldn't have done it. You lost your balance. The weight of your body fell on your arm, and that's what broke the bone. Yeah. Even when you figure that out, what he really needs is healing, recovery, you yeah. know, and the ability to to get up, move on, and then be stronger. Yes. As a result of it. Absolutely. And I think that's so important for people uh, to grasp. We all will have uh, questions, but I also, like I said earlier, I'm convinced that upon entering the gates and seeing the master, I think yeah. everything, I think we'll just know. It'll all be made it'll, right. It'll it? all be swallowed up in victory Amen. <laughs> at that point. Amen. Well, let me, uh, I want to pray and just pray for those that are listening. I really appreciate you coming and, uh, Maybe in the next segment we can get into. I want people to know how long you've been with Brother Dwayne and uh, Victory Life and some of those things, get to know you and Ginger a little better. But I want to pray as we end you know, this segment. Father, I thank you for just the grace of God that comes upon people in time of need and in time of loss. And we just pray, Lord, if there are those that are listening that are hurting, Lord, that they'll find uh, peace and serenity in your loving arms, Lord, in your care. Uh, We also pray, Lord, you continue to just raise up the body of Christ to be mature, to be everything you desire us to be, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.